Okay, we're using these Sunday school periods leading up to Easter to do uh, hymns, to go over hymns that we'll be singing. And uh, we've done a couple already on page number 469 is the one we're going to look at today. This is in my mind, maybe only in my mind, <laughs> uh, an Easter hymn. So we always sing it on Easter. Uh, page number 469 is a hymn called Jesus Saves. You will notice it says the church missions on the top of the page because everybody else says it's a mission song. But other people don't think like me. So, uh, <laughs> yes, it has missions in it, and we'll talk a little about that. But this is a song we're going to sing on Easter Sunday morning, and we want to make sure you know what it means because there's some pretty good things in this song here <clears throat> to help us along the way. So I consider it an Easter hymn, and we'll look at it and see why. You have heard the joyful sound that Jesus saves. And all through the song repeats this phrase, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. It's the name of the song. There's a joyful, happy song uh, and it, based on two words, Jesus saves. So spread the tidings all around. Bear the news to every land. Climb the steeps, that is, go over the mountains, cross the waves, go over the ocean. Onward, tis our Lord's command. And we look at Matthew 28. Matthew 28. This is what Jesus said just before he ascended up into heaven. Uh, Matthew 28, and that's what this verse is about. Jesus came, verse 18, Matthew 28, last chapter in the book of Matthew, verse 18. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. I got everything. I'm in control of the earth and the heaven. Quite a statement to make. Go ye therefore, because I am in control, you have to go. Teach all nations, baptizing in them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. And so he intended us for us to go. You have a commission. We call it the Great Commission. You've been sent by Jesus to go and tell the story of what happened. That's what he's saying. We're going to baptize people along the way and teach them how important that is and uh, help them to understand what Jesus did and what he said. And you are commanded to go. So that command is for everybody. That's for you, it's for me, it's for everybody. We are all commanded to go. Nobody says, well, that's not my calling. Nobody could say that. It's not a calling. It's a commission. You're titled, you're asked, sent to go some way, somehow, to get the message out. The apostles, 12 apostles, or 11, I should say, took it very seriously. They took it very seriously. They went from England all the way to India, the first 11. They went all the way to England, through Europe, crossed the Roman Empire, Asia Minor, over towards Babylon, and on all the way to India. Thomas, the one we call Doubting Thomas, went all the way to India. So they covered almost the known world, just 11 men. 
They took that very seriously. Jesus said, go, we got to go. Come on, let's go. And so uh, it has been true all through the ages. People know that this is a true statement. Onward, Christian soldiers, we sing, right? What's that mean? Let's go. <laughs> Time to go. Uh, disciples did it. Uh, some people tried to squash the movement, the Roman Empire. We're going to get rid of Christians. We're going to do away with them. And uh, we do whatever we have to do to uh, stop their existence. Christians went under the ground, lived in what's called the catacombs, stayed alive, and actually spread. It was spreading when the government was trying to stop it. And that has been the case usually when the government steps in and tries to stop something. Things Christians, Christianity spreads. It's been the case in China. In China, you get in stories, uh, well, Russia especially, they wanted to squash it there. A uh, story came out of Russia that these people would come in and meet in secret in a little uh, building, and one day two Roman or Russian soldiers came walking in and said, All right, anybody here, it's your chance to leave. And a few people ran out, and the rest of them just sat there. And they said, good, we got rid of the fakes. Now we'll, we'll worship with you. All right? And that happened in Russia. Things like that in China, pretty common. And so when the government tries to squash it, uh, Christianity seems to thrive. And the Roman Empire tried to squash Christianity. They were pretty serious. They took Christians, uh, Nero, and, and tied them to a post and lit them on fire and used them for torches at his party. Yeah, it makes it hard to be a Christian, right? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, uh, but in the year 300, a guy comes in, takes over the Roman Empire named Constantine. After he takes over power in Rome, he said, by the way, I'm a Christian. <laughs> That's how God turned the Roman Empire upside down. Spread across Europe. Uh, from Europe, you know, it comes across to America. 1600s and 1700s, a missionary movement comes. And in the 1800s and uh, early 1900s, a great missionary movement, some of the greatest ones in the world come out of uh, Europe, particularly England and America. They go to China. They go to Africa, they go to South America, they're just sending missionaries out all over. It's one of the great missionary movements of all time. There was a group that I used to be a part of called the Christian and Missionary Alliance, and they were a group that started in the 1800s, and they said, we considered our mission to complete this, and so they headed out, and they sent missionaries and did a great job all over the world. Uh, and that was their main purpose for existence. Uh, but something unexpected has really happened to me. I grew up, of course, a little tiny church down the road. And you're used to coming to a church and you say, if I'm going to talk in this church, the only place my voice is going is four walls. Right? Most of my life, I figure, well, if I ever preach in a church, just the only people that hear me is the people sitting there. Well, that kind of changed. <laughs> that kind of changed, which I'm thrilled with the idea, because I always thought the only people that were going to hear me is from East Shelby. Uh, but it turns out there's people listening all over the United States, 
People in Australia are listening to us. People in Norway that I might know <laughs> are over there listening. Uh, we had listeners in China for a while, and then we think the government probably caught up with me, said, oh, you can't hear him anymore. So that all sudden all stopped. But uh, we had that, and then we did something with this guy named Louis Crawford, and he uh, said, let's collect empty cans and send the money to Africa. So we sent money over to Africa, and that's become a great thing. And so if you think about it, this little four walls here, they hear us on four continents. They hear us in Australia, they hear us in Australia, they hear us in Europe, they hear us in Africa, and they hear us in North America, and maybe other places that I'm unaware of. But that's pretty good. I, I never dreamed such a thing would happen. So when you sing this song, you get this wonderful message that Jesus saves. Let's get it out there, and thanks to the the technical people that make this all happen. Uh, we're, we've spread out all over the world from a little tiny place up on a hill way in a back country here uh, next to the swamp. <laughs> and so we're pretty happy about that. And so that's a, when you come to Easter, this is a happy message. Jesus is risen from the dead. Jesus saves. Let's spread it around. That's the first verse. Verse 2. Waff it on the rolling tide, or that is, send it out as far as you can go over the ocean. Tell to sinners far and wide. Uh, sing ye islands of the sea, echo back ye ocean caves. And I'm glad it says that because we have reached to Australia, one of the islands of the sea, if you will. We reached all the way to Australia. Earth shall keep her jubilee. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Now, that's what we need to hear. We all know the world's in a mess. And we all know that <coughs> we scratch our heads and say, how could it get any worse? And it goes on and on and on, and we just can't believe it. What this song says is, earth shall keep her jubilee. Or that is, there is a time frame... When things happen, the year of Jubilee in the Old Testament was every 50 years. It was God's idea how to fix what went wrong. And so what he said was if you lost your property, something happened, or if you had to borrow money and couldn't pay it back, and so you're working for somebody else, every 50 years we're going to put everything back to its original state. So if your father lost a property, it'll come back to you in 50 years. If you're a slave because you borrowed money and can't pay it back, the debt is canceled in 50 50 years. And so everything gets returned and set back right in 50 years. Well, here it says Earth also has a jubilee. Earth has a time when everything's going to get fixed, going to be set right. All right. So we get a little concerned. We say it's getting pretty bad. Don't be concerned. We're just waiting for a sign. There are many signs that we see, earthquakes and so on, there are signs. But the ultimate sign the Bible gives is the coming of Antichrist. And so we understand that there will be a vacuum in leadership. Ha! 
That sounds familiar. Right? A vacuum in leadership, people who are unable to lead and unable to go in the right direction and don't want to go in that direction. So there's a vacuum of leadership. And of course, Antichrist, what needs that? Because he will come and say, I will lead. All right, so when you see a vacuum in leadership, it's coming. Just wait. The earth will keep her jubilee, and everything will be set back right when Jesus returns to earth. All right, we're just looking for the signs, watching it come. But he says here in the promises, the earth shall keep her jubilee. It is going to be fixed. So don't get overly concerned. No need to be. All right. Jesus said, I'll come. When I come, we'll make it right. And uh, we look for signs that will particularly lead up to Antichrist, as that is the ultimate sign. All right. Let's go on to verse 3. Sing above the battle strife. You say, well, what battle is he talking about? Well, I think it goes on with the next phrase, by his death and endless life. Or that is, Jesus was in a battle. It was a tremendous battle. Now, I've been explaining it as we go along. But when Jesus is arrested in Gethsemane, he says, this is the hour. It's your hour to his arresters. It's your power of darkness evil has taken over. And we have it very clearly stated that Satan took over Judas Iscariot and that he almost took over Peter. And it's actually, he's actually named by Jesus as the person who is now picked up the sword and gone to battle against Jesus. When they arrested Jesus under the leadership of Judas Iscariot, devil said, we got to kill him before daylight. Let's go. And the powers of darkness were very prevalent all through. When you look at these people spitting in Jesus' face and slapping him and punching him, uh, and you say, where did that come from? Don't misunderstand the forces of darkness had united together against Jesus. They want him dead. They need to get this Messiah person who'd done miracles all over. They want him dead. They want him dead. And so they inspire these people. And then he finally, I think the ultimate moment when evil forces uh, take over is when Pilate says, what should I do to your king? Of course, they say, we have no king but Caesar. So Pilate washes his hands in the water and says, look, I'm not in, I'm not in on this. This is your baby. Uh, this is your thing. My blood or his blood is not on me. And they scream out, his blood be on us and on our children. And that's the ultimate evil that says, you don't care about your children. All we care about is killing him. I don't care about your children. All right? And that goes against all human 
uh, behavior. We love our children. We want the best for them, except for when the forces of evil are taken over. And so what we have from the arrest of Jesus to the crucifixion, uh, we have the tremendous power of evil. It's not just humans. You understand? It's gone way beyond that. The forces of darkness are lined up. They're headed, doing everything in their power because you understand Satan is not omnipresent. He can only be in one place at one time. If he's in Judas Iscariot, who's stirring up the crowd? Every other demon in hell is there stirring up the crowd and forcing this tremendous display of evil, trying to get Jesus killed. Their point was to kill Jesus. Now what happens <coughs> is in Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2, we have what happened to them. Talking about Jesus and the, when he was crucified, verse 14, uh, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, or we broke the rules, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. He fixed those things with his cross and on his cross and having spoiled principalities and powers he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it or that is he attacked the forces of darkness and so when we start uh, chapter, verse 3 it says sing above the battle strife Jesus is in a battle and he's going to go when he dies on a cross he's going to go and drive him across the face of the universe and whip him good single-handedly. Single-handedly. He turned the forces of darkness into what it says. Uh, he made a show it openly. That's kind of an old hunting thing. You know, when you shoot that big buck, you hang him up in the tree. <laughs> Everybody see? He's out there. I got him. Right, Jesus did that with the forces of darkness. He made a show of it openly, or after he destroyed them and crushed their power, he put them on display. And everybody got a chance to say, wow, look at that. He took care of that. All right, so sing above the battle strike. The battle was leading up to the crucifixion. By his death and endless life, he died, took care of the sin problem, endless life. He took care of the death problem. Sing it softly through the gloom when the heart for mercy craves. Sometimes life has dark times and sometimes there are gloomy times and I am not of the common uh, popular movement today that says Jesus is going to bless you, he's going to bless you, you're going to be happy every moment of your life. I don't buy it. I do not buy it. Alright? And believe me it is everywhere. That message is everywhere. You're going to be so happy if you just trust in Jesus. Well, you are, but it's not all a bed of roses. All right? Things are going to come along that you're going to have to deal with, and some of them are depressing. And he says, here's what I want you to think to me. He says, when I'm feeling under the weight of a burden, when I'm carrying a load and i got to do what I have to do, and you got to trust in Jesus, I'd like you to sing something to me. Jesus save. Jesus save. You can sing that to me all you want. I love to hear that. 
Jesus saves. You sing it softly through the gloom when the heart for mercy craves. And then sing in triumph. Sometimes you sing it softly. Jesus saves to people who are under the load and the pressures of life. And then sometimes when along comes death and our loved ones die, then we sing in triumph or the tomb. It's a whole different song. You think, Jesus saves, Jesus saves that time. You show the power that Jesus had. So that's why I call this an Easter song. It's perfect. The battle strife is the conflict of Jesus. And he fixed it by his death where he took care of sin and endless life, where he took care of our two biggest problems, sin and death. So he says, when you're feeling the weight of life and the burdens and the stresses of life, make sure somebody's singing to you, Jesus saves. And then he says, when you lose somebody you love, you can look up and triumph over death, say, Jesus saves. Great song. And it's just two words, Jesus saves. Give the winds, verse 4, a mighty voice. Let the nations now rejoice. You say, wait a minute. Give the wind a mighty voice. Nature's voice screams out, God is in control. We looked out last night at, I don't know, 2, 3 o'clock. I'm up all the time. Look out there. Boy, what a moon it was. What a moon it was. And the beauty is all around. And uh, the ducks are on my pond every day. It's fantastic. And the wind comes and blows the rain in. It has a mighty voice. It says there's a mighty voice in nature that says what? Jesus saves. Jesus saves. There's a powerful being and he saves. Then you say, well, let the nations now rejoice. And you say, that doesn't sound familiar. And you're right. Look at the date of the song. Priscilla J. Owens, 1829 to 1907. You see when she lived? 1829 to 1907. In that time frame, England became one of the great missionary powers and America joined in. And in that time frame, England was sending people over to China, Hudson Taylor is over there, and into India, and America sending people to the South Sea Islands, and over to Japan, and to China, and they were sending people into South America, and the nations were rejoicing, or they were getting that message out. All right, now it's 2023, and the voice is stopped. Not by everybody. Not by everybody. In our little way, we're sending our voice out. And there are people who are spreading the message out. Uh, and you can see them as they spread it out. There's still voices there. And God realized that the nations would no longer rejoice. But he gave Christians the ability to go on radio first, to go on TV second, and now to go on the internet third. And so uh, when our voice was getting squeezed out, he said, I'll give you a method here. Spread it out. And so we've been given abilities to reach where we can't go uh, through radio, TV, and now the internet, pretty amazing. All right, so yeah, we'll let the nations rejoice that they're not doing that, no. But they were when she wrote this song. That's what they were doing. Shout salvation, full and free. 
to the, each shore that ocean laves. This is our song of victory. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. So there's the, what we have when we come up to Easter Sunday. We've got salvation full and free. Make sure we tell people by the way we work together. And when this church and my voice goes out because you're here helping and because you're here working because you're here cleaning and because you're here mowing and because you're here cooking and all the things that we do together, it all helps so that we're all spreading our voice out together. And so you've heard a joyful sound, let it go, let it be heard, Jesus saves. That'll be on our uh, bulletin next Sunday. Now you'll know it a little better. Thank you.